Before we get into the first episode of the Longman's Football World, this episode is sponsored by Jones Crisps. Everyone loves a snack. You, me, your gran, your dog. Why buy cheap produce? Jones Crisps provides quality. These are proper crisps. They're thick. The skin of the potato still on. Natural contents with a strong taste. What flavours? That's what you're asking yourself, isn't it? Ready salted, of course. Cheese and onion, lovely. Salt and vinegar, delicious. And the clincher, oh, we've only got a pack of sweet chilli. They are absolutely delicious. They are the only Welsh crisp manufacturer out there. 100% Welsh potatoes. The salt is from Anglesey. They've got warehouses in Carnarvon, Llanroost, Swansea. What more do you want? They're supporters of outdoor activities all across Wales. The Anglesey Half Marathon, various triathlons, biking events, many, many more. They support you. Why don't you support them? Not just to buy a pack or two. If you own a restaurant or a cafe and you sell crisps, what do you sell? Ah, the bog standard ones, is it? The bog standard companies? Come on, live a little. Try something different. Jones Crisps. Mm Mm-mm. What better way to enjoy your Jones crisps than sitting on the sofa, watching a little bit of sport. No live game on S4C coming up this weekend. There is a little Facebook live action on Thursday night, the 12th of October. Newtown against Bala. Just get your phone out, get your, get your iPad out, computer, Facebook on your TV. Just in case you need a little football fix. No live game until the following week. Connors Key will be playing can did no, but just Newtown Ball on Thursday night. If you want a bit of sport on Saturday, stick S4C on. But 10 to 6. Another opportunity to watch the old show that was uh, came out last year, Football of Flares, with uh, John Hardy on a little journey telling the story, the untold story of the uh, Welsh national side that actually reached the last day of the 1976 European Championships, I think it was. So get on that. S4C, 10 to 6, Saturday evening. Enjoy. Tate, right hand side of the field, plays it long and central to Akin Fenwell. Good ball through for Tinder Jones. Tinder Jones into the box. One on one with Andy Oak. Shoots and scores. Oh, I'm Tinder Jones. His first goal for Swansea City. A great through ball. He drew Andy Oaks and Swansea City are back in the lead. It's Walsall 2, Swansea City 3. Hello there. Welcome everybody to the first ever episode of the Longman's Football World Podcast with myself, Owen Tidir-Jones. Nice to get a little ego boost there, hearing the commentary 
my first ever goal for Swansea. Walsall away, the good old days, eh? Back in the days of League One. Oof. So what is this podcast? You may be asking yourselves. The people who I know and I've spoke to about this, they are sick to death of hearing about it. Well, here it is at last. Finally here. It's going to be me, hopefully, sitting down with somebody different on a weekly basis. Obviously, it's a, there's football in the uh, football in the title, so it's going to be a loosely based football podcast, but um, just sitting down with somebody different every week, discussing football and beyond. It's all unscripted, so it's about getting into the minds of different people and getting to know them, getting to know their little stories. So it's going to be mixed bag, really. Current players, some ex-players, coaches, managers, analysts, scouts, agents, celebrity fans, maybe some real fans who do it for the love of the game as opposed to the glory. Anyone who's got a story to tell. Journalists, lots more. That's the, that's the general idea anyway before getting on with the first guest I think it would be foolish not to discuss what's just been happening in this last, well these last few days I'm just back from Cardiff been down in South Wales a couple of days international week actually delayed this podcast for a couple of weeks trying to time it in the hope that this first one would go out just in a ah, just during party time celebration of Wales reaching the World Cup or at the very least the playoffs and it didn't happen that way unfortunately fell short heartbreak real heartbreak after such a hard fought campaign but they just showed true grit and resilience throughout getting wins uh, when they they really had to when the pressure really was on just fell short at the last hurdle against well, a side that typified grit and resilience and filthy play at times. Bloody Island. Congrats to them, I guess. Uh, but it was a tough one. Bitter, bitter pill to swallow. It's going to be. It's going to be a tough one watching the World Cup. It's going to be horrible. I mean, I'm sure I like many, many fans across the nation and beyond are walking around in a bit of a. Well, feeling a bit low, very low, like a, your head's in a cloud. Um, not quite got over the disappointment. Next month's going to be tough. Watching the playoffs, watching the World Cup is going to be horrible. I think the worst one's going to be those friendly games at the end of the season, knowing that we're going to be we're going to be part of somebody else's preparations for the World Cup. Going to be a tough one, that real tough one. Um, but when it came so close, you know, the knives are out now and judgment on various people, Chris Coleman, especially the manager, you know, in his own words, this campaign was going to be his last. Um, I'm sure he was hoping to go out in just just a blaze of glory, party time at the end of a successful World Cup campaign and it hasn't quite happened. So he's said he's gone away. He's going to have a little think about it, about his future. 
Um, and I just hope he stays. I really do. I think he's a huge part of, one, what we've achieved, and two, reaching the next level. He's the, he's the guy to take us forward. Um, you know, he's named somebody else who, who's, who's going to be better equipped, who can get into the minds of these players. If you think the messages he sends out to us, the fans in the media... You know, he inspires us. Well, how, how do you think he makes the players feel before before these games? And I see criticism of him tactically. We need to get somebody in who's tactically better than Chris Coleman. Well, I'm sorry, but for the last four years, that's been our thing. We've been tactically better than anyone. Everyone. That's that's been that's been a huge. That's been why we've been so successful. Then the. the tactical nous going into games so hopefully he stays hopefully the the FAW get together and, and just just give him what he wants basically because as far as I'm concerned there is there is no one else to to take this squad the squad's not going to change that much not much at all really for the next campaign and yeah we'll be looking forward to it but we wanted Russia didn't we it's all well and good people saying now that ah, Russia would have been a horrible country to go to. I don't care. I wanted to go. The Red Wall wanted to go. And let's not forget how these players must be feeling now. It's, it's hurting us. It's hurting all of the fans. Those fans that have travelled away for years and years. And are feeling devastated, but I said it before the game, nobody grows up, nobody that loves football grows up wanting to watch a World Cup. We all dream of playing in a World Cup. You know, and I, of course we would have enjoyed going and having a little jolly up, following the team around. But these players, they were close to fulfilling all of our dreams playing in a World Cup. So it's going to take it out of them. They're going to need the support of the Welsh fans every game just to get over this disappointment. I mean, if you offered us now to finish bottom of the qualifying campaign for the next Euros, but we get to the World Cup, we're taking the World Cup all day long. We would take the World Cup. We'd turn up if the next World Cup next summer was in, well, a mixture of Baghdad and Beirut. We would have been there. But just not meant to be. So we rebuild. We go again. We'll come again. I just know that this squad has made us feel so proud and brought a lot of pride back to the country. But unfortunately... The bail injury was a little bit too much. We thought we could get over the line, but couldn't quite get it done. And then little Joe. Bale might be our best player. There's no doubt about that. But I think little Joe in the middle of the park, he's, he's our mo most important player. And with hindsight, Ireland targeting him and wiping him out. The filth bags. Just was too much for us to, uh, to, to overcome. So there we go. Sure, we'll be talking about that game for many years to come. What could have been. But that's enough of that. Let's get into the podcast. Let's get in with my first guest. Um, 
We heard the intro, the commentary on my first ever goal for, for Swansea. This guy was involved. He was the star man in that Swansea team. Uh, he's a club legend. He's a cult hero. It certainly wasn't him providing the assist for me to score that goal because he never passed. Um, but he's, a, he's one of the great characters in the game, one of the great personalities in the game. Uh, still now, what is he? He's close to his 50s probably, still going strong. Will there be a statue of him outside the Liberty Stadium one day? Possibly. Possibly not. He's too, he's too big now. It costs too much to make a statue of that size. Big muscle head. But he's a great character, always good catching up, always good having a chat with him. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy. enjoy. Um, I'll say at the end of the podcast how you get in touch to provide a little bit of feedback for me. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Lee Trundle. Here we go. We are firing. Welcome, Lee Trundle. How does it feel, mate, to be the first ever guest on the Longman's Football World podcast? Well, that start as your means to go on, mate, isn't it? You know, it's one of them where you start at the top and, and work your way down. Mm. It's going to be very difficult to top this, I think. Well, even if you do one, mate, you're a winner. You know what I mean? If this is the only one, you've won. Yeah, the chances are, you know, with my voice, uh, whether it's quite monotone or not, it could be the only one. You know, people might not come back for more, so let's just go out on a bang and enjoy ourselves, shall we? <laughs> well, that's why I was thinking about me being first, because I didn't want to get you in the pipeline, and then obviously there was only one show done, and then it was wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important. We had a chat, didn't we, just before coming on air. Um, I've provided some sweets, been very yeah. generous. Nice. And you were chewing like a cow. <laughs> I just had to say, listen, Lee, slow down, mate, all right? Because the listeners aren't going to want to hear that. What it is, you've got to get sweets, give your energy, mate, and I need energy to, to speak, especially when I've got to try and stay awake from the full interview with you as well. So that was <laughs> that was the only way through. Do you know, it's a, it's a real thing. I think it's called misophobia, I think, and I, and I suffer from it when people are chewing chewing or making noises when they drink and stuff like that well it drives, if, drives me crazy if that was the case you've got the hardest sweets ever why not get like something which is jelly and soft instead of them big rubber sports ones exactly you may as well chew mix. a proper tennis racket rather than one of them because they're sport mix like <laughs> and this is you know you are mr sport i look at you now this physique this physique if sport mix came in like a little Bodybuilder shape. <laughs> That'd be you. That'd be a little. If they were little dumbbells, spin. now I'd be eating them and lifting them. I'm gonna try one now. Nice. You're, look, you're looking good shape. Well, don't you? I try my best, lad. Especially with still playing and having a, you know, having a game oh. with Lynettley. I think you've still got to try and train and and if you want to keep well and keep scoring goals, you know, especially you've got to have big biceps. Well, you have. Especially when you're carrying another ten men, you've got to have big <laughs> biceps. <laughs> Because we speak about it, don't we? We've seen each other quite a bit over the last year. And you are... Everyone can see you're in good shape, mate. You're in better shape than you ever were. Do you know what? I think when I was... I think I'm doing stuff the other way around. Oh, you know, when I when I played, you could probably say I wasn't the model professional. No, I probably didn't follow a strict diet. I probably followed a strict diet of Stella and shots. But... Pastas and chicken and veg probably wasn't high on the menu, yeah. but I think because 
I was scoring goals, I was playing well. It was sort of just, you know, lead me to my own devices and, and in a way probably got the best out of me as a as a player because that's how that's how I enjoyed playing football. I was enjoying my life off the pitch and, and enjoying it on it. Do you wish you could go back a little bit and redo everything? Or would you not be the same guy? No, I wouldn't do you know what I would like to go back and and to work a bit more on the on me fitness and on the, the health and food side because I still think I could have had a balance where I could have still been sort of the same guy but you know a lot fitter and and stronger and stuff but I wouldn't like to change everything because I think that's that's just my character it's the way I am and I don't know whether if I would have went that way would have it have changed my personality of what I am and I think the way I was off the field helped me on it especially with my teammates as well the way they would more or less do a lot of work for me. You know, they do the running work or the... When I'd... What do you mean a lot? Yeah, everything. <laughs> All of it. But then that's teamwork, mate. Yeah. I yeah. didn't see you bending them in the corner from 25 yards. <laughs> I didn't give you any stick. <laughs> Only because you won't pass them. <laughs> but same again. If I'd have a shot and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't pass, yeah. you know, I'd put the thumb up and the oh. lads had laughed. They wouldn't kick off on me because I'd sort of get away with it because of yeah. my relationship with all of yous. Yeah, a little bit of charisma. But I say you're in better shape now than you ever were. Yeah. You know, I mean that from, obviously you're big. It's, it's probably not a better shape, really. It's, it's almost freakish, isn't it? <laughs> You know, maybe you've gone too far, Lee, because I'm looking at you here in this Swansea training gear that I'm sure you're very happy to have for free every season. It's ripping at the seams, mate. And this is a small. So, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's, no not. it's an XL, actually. Is it? It's an XL. You're filling it, aren't you? But actually, I've only just finished a yeah, session yeah. now, mate. So, come Blood, on, give me a bit of leeway. Yeah, this will go, go down by about March. <laughs> You slowly start to deflate. <laughs> no, it's good, mate. It's good. If you, you know, you're talking there. If you could go back in time, you'd maybe change little bits and bobs and stuff. Is there any any regrets, like? The only regret would probably is that a regret? That is a no. That's not a regret because I was already there and I was I was doing it. So for me, I was living my dream as a professional footballer and. You know, scoring goals. So at that time, wasn't a regret. Probably a regret for me would be my early years, like seventeen up to twenty-four when I turned professional, because you know I think they're the years what could have sort of put your your name out there and probably got me at a Premiership club if I would have had my attitude right. But they're they're important years that I missed out on just through my own attitude, like. Wanting to be a footballer, but living my life like I was in uni or in college, you know, just going out drinking all the time. You were in uni. No, living my life like that. Oh, okay. Not without living my life as I was in uni, but without doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just the going outside and uh, you know, obviously going back again the, the diet, just eating chips, eating whatever, and going just playing football like I was just going playing with my mates. You know, I used to. I was semi-pro at the time where I was at Southport and there's times where I just wouldn't turn up to training because I was going to youth club to play five-a-side with my mates yeah. and just stuff like that, which is probably that I'll, I'll regret. So, like, instead of freshers with you, you were just having a freshers year? <laughs> yeah. Well, you was involved in a freshers year down here yourself as well, wasn't you? I had a bit of a jolly up, yeah. A bit of a jolly up. But do, do you know what? It was something I was going to 
I was going to mention with you, I've come across a few, quite a few obviously, you play football professionally 10 years and you come across a few people who still, doesn't matter what their age, just love football and love the ball. Now obviously you were given a bit of a, a, bit of a blessing, you know, with, with your skills and stuff like that, but you carried on, didn't you? You know, and even now you're 40. I look at you and I think, there's no point asking the question, when are you going to stop playing? You're playing for Kianaki now, because you're probably never going to stop. Is that right? Yeah, um, I don't think I would stop. I've just, you know, even if it's not at Planetly, you know, on a Sunday now I've signed for over 40s team. Yeah. Now these teams have over 40s, over 45s, over 50s, over 55s. So, yeah. you know, for me, I see fellas there that are like going on 60 and they're still having a game of football yeah. alright they're not doing it at the at the speed or the level that there was but for me it's still about that enjoyment and that's when I feel the happiest when I'm out on that pitch and I don't think that'll ever that'll ever go away from me you know whether it's scoring goals if you're playing against I still like to think if I'm 50 and playing against other 50 year olds yeah. I think I'll be doing the same as what I'm doing now to people in Clinetley's league and still scoring goals and tricks so it's just something that, that I love doing. And I think that it's part of, I know this might sound mad, but it's part of my personality. The football is me as well. And it, if you, I took away that side, I don't know. I think I'd lose myself a little bit and I wouldn't know I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, it's a good point because I find it a bit crazy. I don't, I don't play now. Um, but I think back, it doesn't matter what I do really now. So 50, 60, 70, however long I'm on this on this planet for who knows might be another day we don't know um, but you will always be if you've been a professional footballer when you're 70 almost every ex-player will be seen as the ex-player yeah. for what you did in that period between 20 and 30 even though you may have done loads in your life after but that'll never stop for you you'll, you'll probably just keep going won't you and I think that's a thing where in a way I don't know whether it's ego thing where I don't want to be forgot about for oh we yeah. used to he used to do that Oh, we used to score goals. You know, even for little kids growing up now, I'll go into schools and they'll talk about goals that I'm scoring for Clinetley or stuff that they've seen on the internet. And and it's that little thing where, as a footballer, you don't want that to go away. You know, you want to... And, you know, especially if it's something that you enjoy and you do, you do it different to other people. You know, I'm not just saying it, but probably the way I play is different to a, a lot of players out there and the goals that I'll score are different to a lot and I think it's nice to keep it's a buzz for me to keep doing that and even if it's a little kid saying it in the school that he's seen a goal that someone's posted on YouTube it's still a nice feeling for me and it's a feeling that probably don't want to lose because as you say when you're out of football and you've you've had it over that time you know it's it's nice for people to talk about your goals and what you've done in that but for me I don't want that feeling to end and it actually doesn't matter whether it's knowing you it doesn't matter if it's a goal at the Millennium Stadium, the Liberty, uh, a game of five-a-side on a Wednesday for Kanehi or something. It's just, it's just a goal, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I've said this. I'll even still play up. I, I play football just in the normal league on a Monday night on a seven-a-side league. I'll play up there. I'll play against Swans fans, so we'll have games. And then they'll tweet me afterwards about uh, might have done a trick on one of them or a goal. And it's still a nice feeling. To, yeah. It's sort of to feel appreciated in what you do. And, and if you're still doing it, you know, it's, it's a nice feeling. I'm probably not, not jealous, not, not resentful. I'm, I'm not really like that. But, you know, we, we've probably had 
very different. You, you've never had huge setbacks that you can't do much about. So yeah. anytime, if you look back and think, I didn't play at this level or, or that level because of your attitude maybe in your earlier years. Like I was more, I would always suffer a knock if it was an injury. So I'd enjoy my football for, you know, at the start like a kid. That's how you play still now as yeah. a kid. So I've been like that. And then you get injured and you're out for three months. You say, okay, no problem. I'll come through this. So you work hard, you get back, and you enjoy your football again. And then you get another injury, you're out for another three or four months. And you're like, ah, oh, shit, I've got to do this again. No problem, no problem, we'll keep going. And by the sixth or seventh, you start thinking, I'm not enjoying this so much. And by the eighth or ninth, by the time I come back, you're just not the same player. You can't do what you, what you can do. So your love of the game almost goes. And then you just have the occasional day where I'd wake up and my knee was okay. For whatever reason, I'd think, oh my God, I can move today. I can move a little bit, which is a, is a huge surprise, <laughs> yeah, trust yeah. me. And then you just love that one training session. And the next day it'd be back to normal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think with, with that, that'd be down to more frustration and sort of the game being bad to you, isn't it? We're, Without being bitter. No, but, you know. but that's what but you're not going to have... Where where we're talking about with my thing and my regrets is probably that's my own fault. Where if you get injured on your knee or if you, that's not your fault, that's something that you've just got to deal with. Yeah. So mine's brought on by myself. An injury is brought on by something else. So I think what you're saying is that would be right because you'd be more frustrated and you'd probably end up falling out of love with the game because the way it's treating you it's not treating with the injuries and everything and, and when you're like that it's not treating you good yeah. you think about all your time in the, in the treatment room and people think from outside of football oh yeah look at him who did or not not just yourself injured yeah, yeah. players oh look he's not playing or went down way signed, yeah, we've signed him he hasn't even played for him or for you at that time that is the worst time of your life because you can't do nothing about it. You're stuck in that treatment room. And you've forgotten so quickly. Yeah, million you know, percent. I've, I've, probably, I've probably seen both sides to the game. You know, you, you get the adulation and stuff, and you've had, a, you've had that at Swansea. Whether you've had it at other places, I don't, I don't know. Um, but then the other side, you're so quickly forgotten about, it's unreal. Because you can't do anything for that club, for the fans. So naturally, you know, they want somebody else to. They want you to, to go. Someone else to come in. That's that's just the game, isn't it? But that's that's football, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's like absolutely. That's probably one of the parts of football I, I hate, where if you're the star player and you want to leave the club, you you hated, and they'd be burning shirts. Your shirts if you want to leave. If that club doesn't want you, you'll just go, and no fan will say anything. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah. It's you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You know you've got to you've got to support both. But it is both ways, isn't it? Yeah, as but, in. But then it's, you'll have fans as well, lad. That would be then. There's a player on the pitch who could be on your side if they don't think he's good or don't want him. Yeah. They'd be hammering him yeah, to yeah. get him off the field. Yeah. But then as soon, if that player turned it round and had a season and scored forty goals and wanted to leave, yeah. he'd be getting hammered again because yeah. he wants to leave the club. And that's a side of football which you'll never change because. No. But it has changed because it, it's something probably the last 10, 15 years that has got, it's got worse. It's always been there, mm -hmm. of course. But these days, at, at least now, everybody knows that these players are coming in to do a job, yeah. don't they? It's, it's yeah. not as if, like 20 years ago, there was, I suppose fans would have had this, this idea, um, this illusion about players coming in. There were players who absolutely loved playing for clubs, still are. 
but now they know, don't they? They're clued up to the fact that do you know what? It's like he could go next January. Especially if he's a, a decent player as well, and he's one of your flair players. It's like you sort of depends what club you're at. Swansea now in the Premier League, we're a club where if we get a player who comes in like Gilfie, like Wilf, and they're scoring goals or they're doing well, you know that someone's gonna someone's gonna come and get them, and that's just. Your life as one of the clubs who would want to just survive in the Premier League, it's always going to happen. It's going to happen to Swansea, it's going to happen to everyone else. The only clubs it's not going to happen to is probably like a Real Madrid or something. Because you couldn't even say a, a Chelsea, a Man United, a Liverpool, because their, their stars would want to go to Madrid or Barcelona. Yeah. And, you know, that's just that's just the way it is. And as you say, I do think fans are coming around to think, well, shelf life, we've got him for yeah. two seasons at best, and then, then he's gone. That's even a manager as well. I think with managers with us, they're either going to be with us for two seasons and go to a bigger club, or they're going to be with us less than two seasons and be sacked. And that's just the way it's got. It is at our football club. Here's one for you then on that topic. We spoke about regrets when you left Swansea. Is that is that a regret? No, it wasn't. Regret, regret football wise. Because everything was brilliant for me at Swansea. I didn't need anything to change. You know, I was loving my football. I loved living in the city. Um, but as you say, from a financial point of view, you know, I come into football at 24. So to someone to pay a million pounds for you, which for me is still something I look back on and I'm proud of. Yeah. And then obviously with the wages that you're going to get for that, signing on fees, different things. It's something where I was going to the league above. Everything was pointing in the direction to... Yeah, you've, you've got to do it. Football-wise, probably it never worked because everything was right, but on a financial side, that's, that is the reason why I left. You know, yeah. that was... I've, I've never did that fact. I've always said it, oh, that's the reason. And also, because of that period, Roberto... Roberto had come in as manager, yeah? Yeah, he'd been in for... What was he in for? About, like, five months, something like that, before the season, or was it less than that? So you had, you had one eye. I think Swansea, Swansea were in League One then. League but One. But was obviously... Starting this rebuild, I know you can look back and think, "Ah, oh, look what I could have been a part of." Do you think you would have been a part of that Roberto team? Yeah, I definitely thought. I definitely think I would have been a part. But then, would have we have played a different way? Yeah. So would have we? Uh, if you had me and Jason, who were both scoring goals, would he have played the two of us together? Probably not a long term, would he? But then, if if you're both playing and scoring, you know, it's going to be hard to to change it. But if he wanted to come in and and his philosophy the way he wanted and have that one up front it would have been tough so I, I look at it where it worked out for all of us you know yeah. I got a move there Roberto come in and put that style into play and then went on and, money as well. and started the started the, the football club on its path to where it is today did he, did he put in the right wing one game was that, was that Roberto no Kenny <laughs> Yeah, he's, I was never running back, was I? So I don't know what Kenny was trying to do there, but I think we started sort of tried to play as a as a three. And even though I was scoring goals, I was never really felt wanted under under Kenny. Yeah. Obviously, off the field the way we was and stuff, I think he might have seen me as a as a ringleader on on the social side of, of things. And you know, we he didn't he didn't like that. He didn't like that side of it. But I just didn't had a feeling where, you know, with some managers, it was just that he had to play me, but he didn't he yeah. didn't want to play me. Yeah. But would you say that was So what basically what you're saying is Flinny was your man, wasn't he? Oh, if you could choose one manager, yeah. that was that was the guy. But 
that period, the first season in League One, that would have been that would have been the best football you played. Yeah, that pr- and to be fair, that probably would have been the fittest that I'd been as well at, till that time. Trying to prove Kenny, uh, point to Kenny. Um, probably a little bit without without it being at the forefront of my mind. Probably a bit because to think. You know, to be still scoring goals every week and then for someone to still feel not wanted, you sort of think, hang on, what what more have I got to do here? And it was a, we had a, great, a really good pre-season where I worked hard, you know, got myself fit, body fat right down. And then that right was, down? Yeah, well, yeah. probably... Down a little bit. Well, saying right down, <laughs> I probably would have been about 12%, which is not bad yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, the skinhead as well yeah yeah over the summer take a bit of extra weight off yeah you have to was that that was that summer wasn't it mm. first skinhead so it was the bleach before that yeah oh I had plenty before that didn't I I had all sorts with the mullet and the spike but then that was the what happened with the shaved head then because you, you're a guy who likes his hair was that on holiday no no I just felt like a, a change and a complete change from what I'd had was the, was the skinhead new stadium yeah new hairstyle streamline New legends coming down from North Wales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, is that your first season? First one in the Liberty, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. But then same, it was, well, that was, I'd started off with, I think in the first 17 games, I'd scored 17 goals. And, you know, we started off, started off really well. I picked a couple of injuries up myself, which stopped me in, when I was on that run. Yeah. But all in all, it, it was good to move into the new stadium and to, and to start off like that as well because it was it was good times, wasn't it? It felt proper, didn't it? Mm. I think the club, obviously fans still, they, they crave the vetch and that feeling, that atmosphere for, for different reasons, nostalgia maybe. But um, I think moving to that, to the Liberty, I felt coming down. I'd never been to the vetch. Yeah. But I felt, what a club this is. This, this feels different. Well, I think if you're, you know, I love the vetch. I love the atmosphere there. I love the way... You know, you could probably get 50 fellas in the boozer over the road having a pint before the game and then you could all walk over to the match and stand together. Yeah. Now, for me, that so means... That, and that was the squad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But then, it, the atmosphere on it is like, it's going to be more hostile than that, isn't it? Where, as a player, I love that. But then, I, coming into the Liberty... It's like this is my home ground, a twenty thousand seater stadium. When you sit and watch games on telly when you're younger, they, you want to play in them grounds, don't you? The all seaters and yeah. and I think we felt it felt more professional and more more as a as a team. And yeah. I think it, it come at the right time. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good period, wasn't it? The football we played fell a little bit short, which probably helped the club long term. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been a little bit too soon if we would have won the the playoffs. But it was it was a weird one with with Kenny, wasn't it? It was like he was trying to change things. You're talking about he wasn't that keen on you, even though you were scoring. And it was you and Big Bale for almost first half of the season. Yeah. And then he brings in Leon Knight and Rory Fallon. Yeah. And they were almost his preferred two, weren't they? Yeah. Up top. Well, that's what I mean. He he'd went with he went with them a lot towards the end of the season. Um, I loved playing with Bale. He was my he was my favourite partner. You know. Big, strong, backing in. He'd score goals himself. You know, we'd create goals for each other. One with Kenny as well was I don't know why he didn't play me and ninety together. Yeah. You know, if you probably look at me and ninety out of all, out of the four of us, you probably think that me and him would work the best together. Where he's on the shoulder, I always wanted to come and get it short or get it into me and turn. Yeah. 
And I think that if we would have been given time together, it would have been it would have been a good partnership. But for some reason, it was either me and Bayo or Nighty and, and Rory. You know, I think Bayo and Nighty played a couple of times, but it was more us two or them two. He was obsessed with, he, well, he must have been obsessed with having one big and, and someone else playing off him. But I think that goes back to when, if you think of years ago, that's what people wanted. They didn't need a big yeah. and a small. You know, if you look at Tosha Keegan and that's where Mick Quinn. Um, no, sorry, Niall Quinn, Kevin Phillips. Yeah. It's that type of partnership that people wanted. Yeah. That season, I remember you being linked quite a bit because you were scoring goals that first half of the season anyway. Was it Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah. Everton? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been the dream, wouldn't it? Oh, Everton would have. The Sheffield Wednesday one, um, they come to me and, and told me about that. The club said, Sheffield Wednesday have... I've put a bid in. I think it was seven hundred and fifty thousand, and then I think it was rising after that. Um, Sheffield Wednesday were in the bottom half of the championship. We were near the top of the of League One, and I just said straight away uh, I didn't want to go. wasn't interested. You know, it was it was halfway through the season, and I did think that year that we were going to go on and, and get promoted the way we was the team spirit we had, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave them for uh, for Sheffield Wednesday. You know, Sheffield Wednesday is a big club, well-supported club. But at the time, I felt like I still had unfinished business with Swansea and that's why I wanted to stay. Obviously, the Everton one, you know, David Moyes had been at games and for me, that would have been, you know, unbelievable. That's like asking a kid from Swansea, would he would he want to play for Swansea in the Premier League? And, you know, it's that's what your dream is, isn't it? Every kid's dream is to play for their the hometown club and that would have been massive for me. I've sat on this information for the best part of 10 years now but during that period I did hear whispers David Moyes was watching games he was actually there to watch me how does that make you feel? Well actually I heard that Everton was after the floodlight <laughs> so he probably was looking to put a miner's hat on your head and stand you in the corner <laughs> He was checking out my movement in the middle of the pack thought yeah he could do a job him old school good so far <laughs> Just hold the torch. <laughs> you, can, you can hold the torch down the Gladys Street end. Yeah, it's true, mate. You know, he obviously likes a big and likes big filet. Yeah, he does actually, you know? yeah. That's... You would have just need to grow an afro, you would have been alright. Yeah, I would have given it a little bash. <laughs> so your job now, Trends, you moved on. You're still playing Kanaki and stuff like that, but you still What is it about this club? You know, you, you can you can talk about your role within the club now, but why do you think you just settled in here with people? I, th- I think you know it's I don't know it's, it happens with certain players doesn't it you know if you probably look before me you've got Kate who was the same and who's still involved at the club now after me you're probably looking at Leon who's going to be the same and, and he, he'll stay around I think for the fans if if you look at it before the um, you know going up to the whole game where we managed to stay in the in the football league, it was it was probably just going because you loved the club. Yeah, you wasn't going watching the football and enjoying the football. Yeah, you know you were going because it was your football club and you're gonna support it through th- thick and thin. <coughs> when I come and when we signed the likes of Leon and Robbo in that first season at the um, at the Vetch, I thought it brought enjoyment back to 
back to the fans. Yeah. And if you've got a player who's doing all sorts of tricks and who's scoring all different type of goals, imagine if you've been watching that football for 10 years and you've only been seeing people doing that against you and you've never had no one doing it for you. I think the last person to score over 20 goals in a season was Bob Latchford and that was in 1981. You know, 1981 to 2003 is a long time for one striker or one player not to get over 20 goals and I think we just click together and probably my personality as well where I'd like to get involved with the fans I, on a match day you know I'd always look in the crowd I'd be out on Wine Street every Saturday after the games and I'd be mingling with the fans and having a drink and chatting about the game and I think it just it struck up a relationship straight away you know after the game against Cheltenham the away game where we were getting beat 3-1 and then I scored an attack in the second half. We won 4-3. I think that was the day where it changed and the fans like had someone to to look to who's gonna who's gonna help the football club. And I think I was probably the one who took the forefront with the media. But if you have a look at the other players that we had there, you know, it was it was all of us come together at, at the right time. But then if someone scored in goals, you know, they're always gonna get the headlines. I've- you know, you're you're club ambassador now, and you go about the schools and stuff like that. I've walked, I've walked up and down Wine Street with you recently. So Wine Street, for anyone listening, is where all the bars are in Swansea. Real busy, busy place on the weekend. And I've been there with you in the last couple of years, and you still have that adulation. You still have those people coming up to you as if you were still a player. And I'm talking like 20 year olds, 18 year olds who know who you are. They want a little picture with you. And why? Why do you think that is? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, why? Why not? And and the second the second part of the question: Do you feel, with your role at the club now, have you ever felt any tiny bit of animosity from the players that play now? Because I know what players are like. When you're not playing for the team, they, in, in a selfish point of view, it's all about you. You don't want anyone from the outside, and you think, how is he? How is he more popular than me? Yeah, yeah. When I'm scoring or playing on a Saturday, and this this fella. Look at the mess on him. He's getting he's getting more fans after him. <laughs> I think I think fans look at me, even though I'm from Liverpool. I think they look at me as one of their own. I think they look at me as a jack. And if you you've been there yourself, or even from when we played from afterwards, and if people come up to me and we and want to chat, you know, I'll never walk past anyone. I'll stop. I'll talk, as you say, with pictures. And I think they can sort of relate to me still yeah. a little bit. And they know if they come up. They can have a chat about football, they can talk about whatever they want, they can have a photo and footballers today probably get the side where they don't want to mix with fans and I think with the Premier League players are probably getting further away from the fans than ever. I do think that's players protecting themselves a little bit as well with all the social media stuff now and photos and videos. It's hard because if you're a player, you can get stitched up quite easy on a lot of occasions. But with me, with them, I think it's just more of a relationship where they know they can come up and talk. And they don't even know they see me as Lee Underloo played for Swansea and as club ambassador. I'm still an approachable character where I'll still have a, a chat to them. And I think they know that. I say to people now that what they don't see is possibly the person or the player who gives the most boring interview for the telly, for the radio might be the most lively in the dressing room. Yeah. They just have to put on this front, if you like, almost a boring front. And it is boring, but that's 
they've, they've been pushed that way because they get burned so often in the press these big players especially but they, they just can't be themselves but I think even if you want even now if you wanted to have a joke and say have a little bit of banter on there you know everyone picks up on yeah. on everything you know even like Pardew the other day going on about did you see it with Teddy Sheringham he was going on about Harry Kane and um they were comparing Sheringham to Harry Kane. Sheringham was there himself and Sheringham was saying he's got a lot more than what I had. Yeah. You know, he he's he's a lot quicker than me. And Pardew said a joke like, um, you're as quick as his mum. Like a, st- a stupid joke where, you know, if you were on if you were just with the lads you'd laugh, but he said it on telly yeah. and everyone it never said a word because he obviously knew that he, he could have got in trouble for doing that. Yeah. But I think that's the way it is now with footballers. They're scared to say anything or have that bit of banter because of the trouble that you can get in or you get pulled up in front of the FA and find all sorts of money. So they are more like robots these days. And it's probably why I know coming into doing this, you know, this podcast, hopefully it lasts more than this one episode. (laughs) But I know that football is a world that is hard for people to... It's hard to break barriers. It's hard Mm. to speak to current players especially to get the real them if you know I'm, I'm a big UFC fan and stuff and you listen to them their interviews they're self-promoters yeah. they have to sell themselves because mm. it means bigger contracts more people want to watch them more money for them football is the complete opposite mm. they don't want to do press you know what it's like on a Thursday you to do press I have no problem doing it you know here in Swansea I was the only Welsh speaker so maybe I hadn't played in 12 months and I knew, mm. I knew I'd still be doing an interview for, from a yeah. perspective so I, it was fine but generally they just don't want to do it do they? I think when you talk about that with the UFC and football it's probably it's the complete opposite where probably some of them UFC fighters are not like that but they, they're pushing themselves the other yeah, way yeah. because obviously you have a look at Conor McGregor and what he does and the way he promotes himself brilliant talker you know great one on one if he's having banter with people he's someone you want to listen to yeah. is he like that every single day I, don't, I wouldn't say he was you know what I mean I'd say I'd say that's he is like that a little bit it's a show yeah, yeah it's but a you've, show it's, you've got to, it's got to be a show hasn't it where with the footballers they probably think the other way and they've got to rein it in a little bit more and be scared to not say anything wrong so they just sort of talk as though you know like everyone talks in a football interview with cliches and yeah. that type of stuff and it, it does it becomes it becomes boring it's tough yeah. do you miss or, or do you still have nights out and stuff again with Kennedy boys as a team I yeah yeah you still go out. Oh, unbelievable nights we have um, every away game you know is like a is like a night out we'll we'll go and play then we'll stop at on the bus yeah, away game on the bus. Away yeah. game on the bus. We travel. We travel everywhere on the bus. So we'll we'll go and play. You know, we've been lucky enough to to knock a beat last season. So every away trip has been great. We'll stop at a pub or an off license. We'll get a few cans on. We'll have a, a drink and a, a laugh and a chat. And it's it's still that um, team spirit. What and it, a team spirit comes at any level. And it, yeah. You don't have to be professional. You know. If you've got that team spirit, that's part of the buzz, isn't it? That's something that, when you finish playing, that's probably the. F- if you ask any footballer, that's the thing that they miss, isn't it? Where they're around the lads every day, and and I think you've got to be thick-skinned to be a, a footballer, haven't you? You got you know if there's a little thing wrong, either with your clothes, your new haircut, whatever, you're you're gonna get it off everyone. But once you s- stop getting that, it's something that you miss because you know 
in a stupid way it makes you feel wanted by the group doesn't it that they that they want to make fun of you yeah some people some people can't take to it and they they don't survive I think my first season with Swansea that was the learning curve so I was 20 going on 21 first season as a pro and that was where I learned I almost learned how to develop a thick skin which is weird some people don't get it but I was happy to sit back there's big characters yourself Monks Andy Robinson loads of different characters like that and I'd be quite happy sitting down just admiring and appreciating the banter if you like and occasionally if it was coming my way I was one when I grew up I could feel my face going dead red you know and I still had that in the first season and somehow I don't know something happened in me that over the years, I think it's it's close to impossible to ruffle my feathers and get under my skin, you know. And I think that was developed in the in the Swansea dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Exactly the same dressing room. You can tell us more, but Mark Goodfellow. Yeah. Another lad who just couldn't handle it. Unbelievable talent, but the dressing room was ruined. It. <laughs> but I think like it's it's how you look at it. I look at it as in if people are making fun of me, or if I'm making fun of someone. It's, it's usually someone that I like and it's someone that I want to talk to and I want to have a relationship with. If I don't really get on with that person, I wouldn't say anything to them because it's not... Or, or and this is my way of thinking, I think you're on the same level. I don't like, I didn't like in the dressing room how people would pick on the weak. Yeah. Yeah, so the easy target sometimes, you leave them because... It's, it's yeah, you're not gonna get bullying. Yeah, then. and you're not get, you're not getting nothing back off them either. Exactly. Yeah. Like probably if you look at the ones I would add, whether I'd um, being like skitting and making fun of, whether being Monk, whether being Robbo, Leon, yourself, whether whether gotta be, but it's all still characters who who are big characters in in themselves. You know what I mean? They know they can they can take it and they can give it give a bit back as well. Where you're right, you would get some people saying it to, to others where they're not going to say anything back to you. So what's the point in in yeah. saying it? And if I was saying something to someone, I want them to say things back to me to get the the banter going. It's not because I, I do think it is. It can border on bullying with some people if they're not saying things back, and it's unfair, isn't it? We we used to almost have a a fight then we every warmer where monks would be what, what's the word? He'd be he'd be in your ear saying. The big man's called you this or called you that, and then you'd approach me dead angry as if you wanted to fight. And I'd, pre- I'd pretend I couldn't see you because you were too low. I'd be rising above saying, I don't know what's going on here, can't see anybody. And you were just going crazy. Why Why are we so angry, mate? We 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 threatened by my good man. Yeah, it was Monk used to like it. He used to like he used to like the joke that I'd done on you. And I'd always used to say to you, go on, you just say the word, lad, and watch what happens. And every word you would say wouldn't be the word. You know, you were never ever gonna say that word. We could be still out on that training ground now, and you was never gonna say that word. But Monk just used to like how big you was, and when I was down there, just saying, "Say the word." Yeah. He enjoyed it. I'm, I'm talking about you know developing that thick skin. One thing you never get back, and I work in a different industry now, where there's, there's humour. You have you have good humour with different people from you know different age groups, but it's not the same, and it can't be the same. Even though people might think ah, the, the, the humour we have in our, in our workplace is, you know, bordering on being real bad and a bit naughty, it's not. It's, it's nowhere near. You have to just be careful, don't you? And a part of that 
the Christmas parties. Now, this is Swansea is the football club I learned. And I took it everywhere. Fancy dress, how important it was. And it saddens me that footballers these days, one, they don't drink so much, so mm. good for them. Yeah, yeah. well done. <laughs> but secondly, well, they don't appreciate dressing up for fancy dress. I don't get it. Because I think now they think they're too cool yeah, to do they it. They want to look good. We're, uh, don't get me wrong. If we would, we used to do our Christmas parties on a Sunday, didn't we? So we'd we'd still have our Saturday night out where we'd go out and in our own clothes. We'd have a good night. Then we'd meet on a Sunday, and that would be fancy dress. Yeah. You would never wear some some clubs. They'd get, be in fancy dress for a little bit, then go home and get changed into their own clothes. Where, you know, you had, you there was no way you were going to even leave the party. Never mind going change into your other clothes. You would have been the odd one out. You know, it was... Some of the ones on Wine Street where we'd hire that back room out and there'd just be a doorman on and it'd just be the lads and then other VIP guests in there. You, that doesn't happen anymore, but what? They were the best nights. They were. Yeah, they were. What about your home life trends? Just got that, just had a little one. Yeah. So you've got two, two daughters now, yeah? Yeah, two daughters. I've got, well, my eldest, she's 17. Nah, Brooke, and then I've got Lily, who just turned 13 months yesterday. So, um, just like doing it all over, all over again, mate. Um, I think you forget the first time round how, how hard it is. You know, I'm lucky enough where... With me missus, she does a hell of a lot of the, the work, you know, especially with the knife feeds and and stuff like that. You know, she she takes care of all that, which is which is brilliant. But it's it's nice. It's a it's a nice feeling. It's, it's, a, big nice. Old, it's a big old gap in it. I know different oh, mums and stuff for sixteen yeah. years. Oh yeah, massive. Are you just gonna keep keep having a, another little girl keep popping out a little girl every I'm sixteen years? <laughs> I get, I get a little video off now, right? This is you. I was saying that you'll never stop playing football. So I've Googled for everyone listening, 90-year-old man doing keepy-uppies, right? This would be you, and you'd be shouting, your missus called Jane, yeah? yeah? You'd be shouting, Jane, I'm just going in the garden, just going to do some keepy-uppies. And then you'll say, why don't you pop to the shop and get some Viagra? We're going to have our sixth child, because it's coming up to 16 years. He's got some skills though, hasn't he? He's stiff. He is stiff, but he's he's that's actually like you doing keep ups when you was playing. In my heyday. He's got real baggy skin. That's what you're gonna have when you stop doing weights. Uh, I tell you the biggest thing. You know, you're not gonna go into it too much because talking about uh, this current Swansea team your job and stuff like that and it's probably not even in your nature and I think I'm the same I hate I hate when pundits come out and they hammer take Swansea as an example they see them maybe once every eight on TV they see their highlights and they come out with the opinions or they copy opinions that they hear newspapers and stuff but I don't know what you think I watch plenty of them working for Radio Cymru and stuff I, I, I look at you Charisma would be the word that I, I would use to describe you. I think the team is lacking charisma, and that's what hurts the fans. I think even if they were a, a team struggling towards the bottom of the Premier League, but they had a couple of players, a mm. couple of 
couple of rogues, yeah. you know, who just made them smile, brought a little bit of excitement. That's that's no knock on the players that they have. It's it, it's up to them to find those. Experts, yeah, I think you know? it just. Do you know? I don't think it is knock on the players that we've we've got now because I just don't think we've got that type of player. Yeah. You know, players you've exactly, yeah. players you've got there are still quality players. You know, you don't play in the Premier League if you're not. But we haven't got that sort of. Yeah, I know Maverick's probably a, a word that you would have used years ago, but we haven't got that person where if they get the ball, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, and as a fan, you're on the edge of your seat thinking, what's he going to do? Yeah. You're right, he might lose it, but yeah. then the next time, you'd be still on the edge of your seat. And I think I think in football as well, it's going, it's going out of it a little bit with the possession-based stuff and keep the ball and, you know, don't take chances. For me, as a footballer, if you're, a, especially if you're a forward-thinking footballer, you've got to go and take chances. You've got to be brave. You know, you can talk about being brave in a tackle, going in, but I think you're more brave trying to do stuff on the ball yeah. because you might lose it, and you've got twenty. Especially the way we are now, you'll have twenty thousand fans going, oh, oh ooh, booing. But then have you got the, have you got it a buyer to then go and get the ball and try and do it again? Yeah. And I think that's something that we're we're lacking in our team, and that's something that we need. To bring in, uh, it's it's not even a dig. I know at the moment, by the time this goes out, things might have changed a little bit. But Clement's getting a little, Paul Clement's getting a little bit of stick. But in his defence, I think they struggled so badly last year before Christmas. They they had no right to stay up. They yeah. had no right to keep them up. The amount of goals they concede. So at that level, any team you have to start with a platform defensively. So he's still in that phase of trying to get that right. And then I think he'll start, well, you hope they start expressing themselves a little bit more, creating more, scoring more. They'll end up conceding a few more times to get yeah, it perfect. Yeah. But he's just still in that first little transition phase of building that platform. But they need to bring other people in. Montero's probably the last one who, on his day... Yeah, he would give you fans. that, yeah. And especially if he was on the bench as well. If he got up to warm up and you draw them one all, you think, you know, he could do something... Don't get me wrong, there's games where if he, he'd be in it and he wouldn't even, yeah. he'd be non-existent. Yeah. But he's still got that unpredictability where he's... Uh, but back in the day, what, you're, what you just said, back in the day, Montero, you know, and the fans, not that they turned on him, but they thought maybe he's not good enough consistently. Uh, fair enough. But back in the day, maybe he would have had just a longer run to maybe get through that confidence breakdown that he had or whatever. It's just that this day and age... Once people have make, make their opinion of you, you know, especially that kind of player, you, you're done, really. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think what doesn't help as well. Where, do you know where you're talking about the pundits and stuff before? And even this goes down to fans, where everyone's an expert now. You know, they'll sit and watch Friday night or Monday night football, yeah. and everything's broke down on every yeah. game. And then they'll go out and say the same as what they've heard on the telly. If they sat and watched the match, they wouldn't be able to break it down or to tell you what's gone on. And even still, that's just that's just two people's opinion of that. Yeah. You know, if me and you could go on and break things down in a completely different way and, and talk about other points, it's just they'll watch. And people would then yeah, copy and what, what yeah, you say. Yeah, of course, and that's and especially with a with a player. I think because of the turnaround the players are so big now as well and the squads and the players that you you bring in and you sort of yeah if you look at Bob Bradley for instance he never ever kept the same team yeah. because he's always chasing 
what can I do? What can I do? And the changes, the changes, the changes is making us worse in the in the long run. Yeah. But that's what football is now. It's you've got to be an instant hit. If you're not, the fans will think you crap. Then that filters down to the coach and the manager because if he brings you on and the fans start booing. You as a manager then don't want to think, oh, these think I don't know what I'm on about, and it's it's tough, and that's the way, that's the way it's going. But I think if you look at our players, what we've got, we've got too many players of the same, the same qualities, you know. Especially if you look at our midfielders, you know, we've got Sammy we brought in, Tom Carroll, you've got Leon, you probably say Messer. Same. Fair can be a little bit different because at least he can try and he'll drive at people sometimes, or you know he'll try and be a bit creative. Key, key. They're, they're all the same type of player. All all great players. Absolutely. All the same type, though. Absolutely. That that is the the general feeling, but it's it's been like that for a little while, really, hasn't it? In in that somebody sometimes you want someone to take a risk, yeah, which is hard in the Premier League because risks. When they when they don't go your way, you get punished, and you can see to attack. But but what they haven't got, maybe you look back, Ferry Boulder, you know, if he would have progressed to what he could have become, mm-hmm. in terms of someone who can, you know, ping a pass, Swansea probably haven't got somebody no. like that. Um, but that's where I'm saying that's where I'm going on about the brave side, because I think even if Ferry was trying stuff and it wasn't coming off and the fans booed, he'd still do it again. Yeah. Because he's a strong character. Yeah. If I was doing tricks and it never come off or if I was having shots and you were going over the bar if I got the ball again I'll still have a shot or do a trick and it's you've got to have that belief in yourself and okay it's hard in the Premier League especially when you've been near the bottom of the league and you just managed to stay in it of course your your confidence is going to be low but you need them sort of players who don't really care about that side and probably are a bit more selfish I don't think we've got any selfish players in our team and I think you need that if you look at Wilfred could probably be self- selfish if if he gets the right balls into him. You know, he's someone who'll shoot and he, he won't worry about what other people say. But I think we need a bit more of that, especially like out wide. And at the moment, we're lacking width. If you look at us play, it's our fullbacks who are the ones who have who are going trying to create stuff. Yeah, the space is there, but we just we're, we're not doing it. And the excitement of hopefully getting someone in the team with that charisma we, we've spoke yeah. about. When when Boney comes back, even a little thing like he's singing that song about himself yeah. on Twitter, the fans love it. Yeah. So before that song, maybe they would have thought, do you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was the same. It was unbelievable for Swansea. Yeah. But then you you think of him coming back, and you you, you know I was thinking it. I'm not sure if he's the same player. And then he sings that song, and I was a believer. Yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> yes, this is the man, right? And it might it might happen. It's just they're chasing just someone. But then do you know I think by doing. By doing that, that little song, that then helps him on the pitch because as you say, oh, a lot of fans would have been like that. So instead of thinking, can he still do it? Yeah. He's starting on Saturday and fans are going, come on, Wilford. Then they're getting behind him straight away. So that's giving him the confidence to go out and do it. But yeah. I right, fair enough, he never got no, for me, never got nothing into him. We looked a bit more dangerous when we brought Tammy on and the two of them were up there. But before that, he never really got any quality balls into him and I felt sorry for him I'll always watch the game from a forwards point of view and, and see what's coming in and what he's got around him and I, I felt sorry for him on the weekend because I didn't think he got he got the right balls into him it does make a difference I, I, when I first come to Swansea 
from Bangor, the Welsh Premier League, and the fans are singing, singing my name. Yeah, I had a couple of little chants and stuff, and you think, oh, this is this is incredible. <laughs> Towards the end, you know, was there four seasons, played quite a bit in the first, missed second and third, little in and outs in the, in the fourth. I felt that was changing. So you have that, you think, ah, oh, these fans, they love me because I'm a Welsh boy from North Wales. They can al- almost. Um, feel that I'm on their level yeah yeah by the fourth for obvious reasons you know missing so much football and when I did play you know I, I play safe basically because yeah. I was replacing Leon or Ferry or Pratt's and you're thinking how can I fit in so you play it safe and then I sense then you know that the, the songs weren't coming anymore I'm starting to get my back a little bit it's time to leave you know it, it can it's not something you, you have to produce the goods to continue to have that feel good factor of the fans yeah but and I think that doesn't matter who you are and I think the more you do it the more pressure there is on you to keep to keep doing it because if you've done it once like we were talking about before if you've done it one season then stop they'd soon go off you yeah. and that's any football club that's not us that's not Swans fans that's any team in the world they'll do that did you get that with any other club I, I, no, nothing close to Swansea. Oh no, no, nothing close to Swansea. Where you know Swansea was my main, was my main team. Where you know I was playing all the time there. So when I went out, I felt invincible. And as I say, I could make mistakes, and I know that they'd still clap even if uh, I had a shot and it went wide. They'd still clap, and that gives you the confidence to go out and do it. Never played as much at Bristol, but the fans were still good. I think because when I'd come on, I'd still do things, and I'd still. You know, I'd still create stuff. So the fans was, they were good to me there. Um, Leeds, I was only there on loan. Yeah. They were prob- they were the worst. I think that probably goes with the football club and the size of it. Yeah. And they want something instant. Oh yeah, and even like I scored on my debut there at Leeds. We won at Brighton. Um, then I only scored the one goal for them. Never scored again. But it wasn't so much personal. It was more on like the the team. Yeah. Do you know just that where it, you felt as though they were they were on your back a lot? Because yeah. I think the size of the club what Leeds is, you know, big club to be playing in League One. Yeah. And then fans have probably been Premier League and you know <laughs> right the way down. And I think a bit of bitterness kicks in of where they where they are in the in football yeah, now. Yeah. I, I felt it myself. That I'll, I'll get into it another time. But uh, at Hibs up in Scotland, big club. Yeah. Um, you know, big stadium and stuff, and we were just part of it terrible team basically yeah. we were a poor side but it's almost toxic yeah it's that poison and we're we're shocking on the pitch and then off the pitch you know you just feel they're waiting for that first pass to go astray to get on your back because they don't think you're good enough it's it's not nice I was at Sunderland recently watching Cardiff exactly the same yeah. Sunderland could go down again this year because yeah you know, that's they're stuck in that rut you know? but then do you know what happens then oh when that's the case it's like the players against the fans it is and that's the worst possibility you can have because yeah. the players want to prove the fans wrong then when when they go behind and they're getting beat that's sweet went down the wrong way then, didn't <laughs> no I never it was the water that went down the wrong way when they when they go behind and they're getting beat, do they want to really dig in for that club when when they're getting that much stick? Yeah. It sort of goes it goes against the fans for doing it. Yeah. And that I think that's the toxic part where you're right where they could go down again. Somehow you find yourself at Neath. Yeah. And you find you know a good good little spell at Neath. 
You found yourself back at Preston there. Not many people. That, do you think that was just your reputation that you found yourself back in the professional? No, not for long. But do you know what? Oh, it was not until the, I could have stayed in the I could have stayed in the league at the time. Um, if I'm honest, Neath offered me double than what I was getting in League One. You know what I got offered in League One as a year contract. Neath gave me double that and gave me a three-year contract. So to get a three-year contract, and another big thing for me was I could stay in Swansea. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to stay in Swansea. It was where I enjoyed my life. After my football finished, I always just had it in my head that I would go and work for the club. Now, I didn't know club ambassador, but I thought I might go back with the coaching side and things like that. So I knew I wanted to be here. So it was never, it wasn't my ability to, to play. So when, when the contract, well, Neath went bust, yeah. um, ended up, I played like for more or less for nearly half a season without getting paid, got promised I was going to get paid. And then at the end, Jim... I was going to ask you, do you think they went bust because of your wages? Well, don't buy what you can't afford, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see me with a Rolls Royce on the path and then come and get dragged off do you? by the repo, man. Just don't buy it. False promises, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I remember I sat with the chairman and with the neat chairman and he'd come and said that he wanted me to score over 50 goals in right. the season. Now he's probably thinking, because you're coming from Swansea, if you don't know nothing about football, you're going into the Welsh League. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to score fifty odd goals. Where it's not the, it's not the, it's not the way it works, is it? You know, you need a team to make you to work. You're not just going to go into that, which is a tough league still, the League of Wales. You're not going to go in and score fifty goals. And I think he just thought that by you know myself come Chris O'Leary, another couple of lads who played for Swansea, and I think just because he spent that money. He thought that you were going to go and walk the league and, you know, that's not football. Well, here we are, we're coming to an end, mate. What do you think of the equipment I've bought? What do you think of this little microphone here? Well, it looks like one of those old... You know what they, um, they would use in, like, the 40s or the 50s when he, the jazz singers would sing and he'd hold it in the hands. So if you're asking me, am I impressed with it? The answer's no, mate. <laughs> so I'm, I was going off the advice of... Uh, a fella called Mickey P who's going to be doing the editing and stuff like that so this is what he told me to buy the only concern for me I should have brought him along is every chance this has not been recorded <laughs> you know so this is a risk this may never see the light of day but I've had a great time anyway mate that's the main thing mate as long as we both had a good time and if it hasn't well maybe we'd have to do it again it'd be a completely different interview with everything else said but well what I'm hoping for is you know I'm gonna have different guests every week and stuff like that. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure I'll get you back. Even sometimes, a little co-host opportunity with someone. Yeah, yeah. Here's a good one though. On a Sunday, we can watch a little Super Sunday. Us two, someone else, little Leon or something. A few scoops, and then a bit of bit of drunk commentary, mate. What do you think of that? I think that'll go down well. I think that'll go down better than any podcast. I think. So. And especially if you pour a, a limit on the amount of drinks that we have to drink. So say if we'd have to do something on how many corners and throw-ins there was, you'd have to have a chaser with your pint. That's fair enough, yeah. That sounds like the old days. Yeah, it might not be... You might even get an interview at the end of it, but at least it'd be a good day. That's up to Mickey P then to edit it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mickey P will have to put us with mics on where we can just walk around to Vine Street and just get it from us there. (laughs) Last question. This podcast, 
if you could have me speaking, having a conversation with anyone else, anyone on the top top of your head, anyone spring to mind? What do you mean? Anyone who I'd like to listen to or anyone we can you could really get? Realistically, you know, it might not happen, but if you throw a name, maybe maybe you can help in getting that person. I'd like to. I'd like to have uh, one with Andy Robinson, you know. I'd like to know what stuff he'd, he would come out with. Would it be better uh, with Robbo, with you and me with yeah. him, do you think? I think if, we, if me and you co, yeah. co-hosted it with him. If I was by myself, do you think he'd, he'd try and intimidate me? No, I think he would try and do it as though he's like brilliant in the media <laughs> and do a big proper interview. So I set him up, for, you know, to me. All of that. All of that. See ya. No problem. This is Mickey P's job to edit. <laughs> we just had a lovely Swansea fan coming up to Lee. <laughs> See you later. But going back to Andy Robinson, I'd be the one to maybe load him up with questions, make him look good. He could answer, and then that's your time well, to pass. What we do, you'd set, we'd set him up where you would ask him a proper question. And he would tell an answer which is a lie, and then I would just tell him that he's lying and tell him to say the proper story. Let him get his full answer out. Yeah, yeah. So don't cut him off. <laughs> no, because I was gonna, I was gonna um, get that video off the old soccer M one, you and him dancing. Yeah, yeah. Recreate. We'll save that for his interview. Save that for this one because we'll have a good time, and he definitely will tell a lot of lies, and then I'll just catch him out on every single one of them. Trans Tomlin, thanks a lot. Sound old pleasure, mate. Anytime. And there we are, episode number one done. In the books, as they say. Huge thank you to Lee Trundle for being the first guest. Uh, always always a pleasure to talk to him. Always a real uh, interesting conversation to be had with him. Good stories, good memories. Uh, obviously, I'll try my best to get better guests as we move forward with it. But he was the only one available. The only one willing to sit down with me. He's... he's that desperate for attention but no uh, brilliant guest huge thanks to him a um, couple of little comments uh, a couple of not even apologies uh, I think the sound is something we're working on obviously there's a bit quite a bit of background noise there which which is not too bad um, having a little bit of it makes it authentic um, you know as as trans was describing the equipment it looks quite old-fashioned so anybody wants to help out with Uh, sponsorship let me know that should help in uh, getting some better equipment as we move forward a little interruption at the end there as we were saying our goodbyes Swansea fan coming to say hello to his hero his idol Lee Trundle could have edited it out but again adds a bit of authenticity to the whole thing Uh, if you want to leave feedback for myself Twitter Instagram send me a little message both Twitter and Instagram handles at ointjones17. So feel free. Constructive criticism, not a problem. A couple of little pointers in moving forward with the podcast. And the last thing, get yourselves on iTunes. Leave a, leave a bit of feedback, good feedback on there. Leave the negative stuff to either to my face or with the messages on social media good feedback on itunes and subscribe subscribe to the podcast all it means is with a subscription the podcast is free Uh, it's always free by subscribing all that happens is when the next episode becomes available it automatically 
downloads onto your phone as long as you've got decent Wi-Fi. So do me a favor, even if you don't like the podcast, just subscribe, get it downloaded anyway. That'll, that'll rack up the numbers for me. Last time, huge thank you, Lee Trundle. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you come back for more. Farewell for now. <laughs>